I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. Good to have you with me. And uh, if you see the title on this one, <laughs> you know this is a topic that will generate controversy. We'll, we'll have a lot of different opinions, a lot of nuance to the discussion, uh, and that's all good. Let's have the conversation. In fact, if you're watching on a chat-enabled channel live, you can be a part of the conversation. What are we talking about? Well, I, I joked with today's guest, uh, Bruce, Pastor Bruce Miller, that uh, what would you do, like just go write the most controversial book you could think <laughs> of, right? Because here is uh, the new book. It is called Leading a Church in a Time of Sexual Questioning. Uh, and I don't, I don't know where you're at in your church uh, or what the theology is. I'm, you know, I'm in Texas. Uh, I go to fairly conservative uh mainline type of churches, one that was sort of Baptist, currently in a Presbyterian church. And, you know, we we have strong beliefs about sexual behavior, sexual purity, and it applies to all of us, not just a certain group of people. But at the same time, we want to be welcoming to everyone because the, the church isn't just for people who are perfect or what we view as right. In fact, it's the place where the sinners need to be, which is why I go to church. So we're going to get into all that. Pastor Bruce, thank you for being with us today. Uh, you're most welcome. Thank you, uh, Randy. It's an honor to be back on the show and delighted that you invited me. So why did you write this book? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you know, there was something that sparked this one. You know, you're right. It's such a difficult topic. There's a lot of reasons not to do it. Yeah. But what I realized is so many people are without guidance. And uh, pastors like myself included want to avoid the topic because you know that there's political controversy, there is religious controversy. Almost no matter what you say, you're going to be misunderstood by somebody. You can, you know, Monday morning you're going to get the emails and the text messages and you're going to have to respond. And so you just avoid it. Hmm. But by avoiding it, we leave our people without guidance. So really to be wise, good leaders of Christ Church, we need to address this topic. Yeah, you do. I'm curious. So you're a senior pastor at uh, Christ Fellowship over in McKinney, That's Texas, right. which is for people that don't know what northeast of Dallas. Um, what is that affiliated with the denomination? No, it's non-denominational. Uh, we founded the church in 1997. Came out of our church in Plano called uh, Chase Oaks, pastored by Jeff Jones. Before that, Gene Getz, who's uh, just biggest mentor in my life. And so, yeah, we've, I've enjoyed being the senior pastor for 27 years and loving being a pastor today. Good. Well, I, I ask because I know I, I got married in a, a United Methodist church. That's where I went when I was in college. And, you know, they're having the whole split. The, got oh, yeah. A bunch of United Methodists going global, meaning they're, they're going into their own. And it's over this exact thing. It um, is. The issues are are so big. They're, the Methodist church is splitting. The Anglican church has tension. Some of the Presbyterian churches yep. are struggling with this, yep. uh, among among others. It just came up in the Evangelical Covenant Church last week. Wow. So <laughs> what's the answer? I guess. <laughs> That's what everybody wants to know. What do we do here? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, of course, it's a difficult topic. Like you said, it's full of nuance. But, you know, on any cultural topic, whatever we face, we always want to go back to Christ. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? 
And one of the things that's remarkable to me in John chapter one, it says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And I find in this conversation that people feel like if we increase the truth quotient and really hold to our convictions, we must decrease grace and be unloving in some way. But if we really increase grace and are welcoming and accepting, then we'll have to decrease truth. But that's that's wrong thinking. I, I understand it. And most people I talk to kind of feel that way. But the reality is Christ never compromised truth. He was God. He's full of holiness and truth. And yet he was extravagantly gracious and welcomed and embraced people of every kind and variety. In his day, the, the prostitutes and tax collectors, who the the New Living Translation says that people saw them as the scum of the earth, mm. despicable sinners. And yet they were drawn to Jesus because they knew he loved them. And if our churches could be more like Jesus, we'd be on the right track. Yeah. Well, you know, and culturally, there was a time where uh, homosexuals would have been considered the scum of the earth. That has all changed to the point now where if you don't uh, affirm not just homosexuality, but the transgender movement, all these weird things that they've come up with that I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, you know, kind of things. If you don't affirm them, now you're the bad guy. And, and that, I think, even makes it more difficult in the churches because we're not just fighting over uh, or arguing about what Scripture says. We're arguing about who's the moral one here. That's right. Have you seen that shift? Yeah, I have. And, and it's extremely challenging environment because our culture is shifting to, uh, frankly, more immorality. We're mm-hmm. becoming more like ancient Rome, more like the city of Corinth, more like Babylon. Have times gone by where there were just all sorts of sexual behavior that was accepted by the culture of the day. And so Christianity stood apart in the first century. The thought that sex was reserved for marriage between one man and one woman was crazy to people in Rome of that day. It made no sense. Everyone's got a, a prostitute or a woman on the side and a boy on the side. And if you had the money and the means, And so we bring a radical truth that is really a better way to live. That honestly, this is the kind of life that's going to bring you joy and peace and fulfillment because it's the way God made us. But it goes against the grain of our culture. So it takes courage and conviction to stand for biblical truth. So what's the godly proper reaction? You know, when I see, you know, Sam Smith on the Grammys doing his hail Satan thing with a trans man, woman, I don't know, whatever, you know, but when, when that, when I see that, do I need to, uh, destroy that? Do I need to defeat that? Do I need to love that? Uh, I'm not going to accept that. I don't think that's scriptural, but how do, how, what should my attitude be when, when I see that, not just on TV, but especially person to person. Sure. Right? And you know, I, I still, I really do think Christ is our model and he had three I'll call them sexual conversations. That sounds odd, but he had three conversations that we could study that'd be worth really taking a look at. One is Jesus and the woman at the well who had five husbands and the one she was with now is not her husband. Mm -hmm. And another one's the woman caught in adultery in John 8. And another one is the prostitute washing his feet at a party. But let's look at the woman caught in adultery. Uh, Jesus said a couple things there. I asked people, what did Jesus say? And I'll find half the people in a crowd will say, he said, go and sin no more. And the other half of the crowd will say, he said, neither do I condemn you. <laughs> right. 
And of course, as you know, he said both. Right. Uh, and so this is a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. There was no question if she committed adultery. We don't even know how she was clothed, but she was caught in the act of adultery. And these men wanted to stone her according to Old Testament law. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you and then go and sin no more. How could he say, neither do I condemn you when she had, she was guilty? Yeah. Well, that's the incredible grace of God that while we're still sinners, God loved us and sent his son for us. So we don't wait for people to clean up their life before we love them and show grace to them. It's interesting when you think, you know, how do you first approach it, Randy, is while Christ said both those statements, which did he say first? Yeah. Well, the first thing he said was, neither do I condemn you. The second thing he said was, go and sin no more. And I would suggest that we lead with grace, that we start with grace. And of course, when I say grace and truth go together, we need 100% of both. Uh, to truly be gracious and loving is to speak the truth. Grace speaks truth and truth speaks grace and grace and truth meet in love. I, I've heard a lot of great things uh, said to me by people like you. Uh, one stands out, uh, Pastor A.R. Bernard, and I've said this before, mm -hmm. and it's been years. He said, it's grace that allows us into the sinner's world mm -hmm. and it's truth that gets the sinner out of that world. It's good, uh, right? It's a it's, good word. Yeah, and so I, I, I and in it is in that order in the Bible in both cases, grace and truth, grace and truth, and when we come hard with the truth, and again we have to come with it, but it it, it sounds like condemnation to people. Well, uh, it's so easy to be on our high horse and use us them language as if we're the righteous, godly ones, and you terrible sinners whether it's sexual sin or whatever sin, mm -hmm. and boy, to remember all over again, there but by the grace of God go I, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. We're, all of us are sinners, and all of us are so thankful for the grace of God in our lives. It's when you know how much you've been forgiven that you can truly forgive others. I, I think if we're honest too, Bruce, uh, <laughs> people don't want to admit this, but there is, um, a little bit of what we saw in the Pharisees, this idea of, you know, if, if I'm not clearly standing against this person or their their words or their actions, and instead I'm trying to listen to them, show them love, show them grace, somebody might not realize that I stand firmly on the side of Christ. Do, do you think some Christians, some pastors, are more worried about what other Christians will think of them than they are about loving that person into the kingdom? Oh, absolutely. I think this is a major issue in our churches today. It's the fear that association means approval yeah. or that association equals affirmation. Yeah. So I had a lady in my church and she was, she came up to me and she said, I'm, I'm doing a Bible study with my neighbor. I'm, oh, great. And then she said, and my neighbor's a lesbian. Oh, that's fantastic. That's 10 times great. And then she said, I'm thinking about quitting. I thought, why? She said, I'm scared that she'll think I'm affirming her lifestyle. Hmm. And Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. Right. He did not run from that accusation. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He went to parties that the right religious people wouldn't go to you know, parties thrown by in those days, tax collectors and so on. 
There were Roman parties from mm-hmm. what we know about Rome. We can imagine that that wasn't so moral. And today, I believe he would he would uh, gay people, LGBTQ people would be attracted to Jesus. They would invite him to their home. He would go to their parties and Christian people would look askance and be concerned. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, uh, now when you may just put it in a, in a quip, so to speak, hugs don't compromise theology. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, I, I, I think it's fair to point out um, that Jesus was sinless. <laughs> and That's right. In order for us to be able to go to that level of mixing it up with the sinner, uh, you know, because there is the idea of keeping oneself unstained by the world, sure. which is scriptural. Uh, we have to be led by the Spirit, protected by the Spirit, and really connected. You know, that, that branch and vine relationships cannot be broken if we're going to walk right. into those areas. Um, uh, what, do you, what do you tell a pastor who, who's, who whispers to you, I, I think God wants me to reach some of these people. <laughs> Listen, I cheer on a pastor who wants to reach marginalized people. The, the sad truth is that we made a misturn in the 80s in the AIDS crisis. The evangelical church broadly did. And in that, we that we didn't respond well. We didn't really care for people well who were hurting and dying before we got some of the medicines we have today. And then we entered into a period of cultural conflict where Christians and gay people were pitted against each other, like a culture war, and you had to be on one side or the other. And it led to uh, it led to such a sad reality today, which is that the average person in the United States believes that Christians hate gay people. No, that's not true. I mean, and there are probably some weird people on the margins, but by and large, I don't, I've not met Christians or churches that hate gay people, but that's the word on the street. Right. You know, that's, that's the thought. And so we have to do so much to overcome that belief for someone who is LGBTQ. If you're listening now and you are describe yourself as queer or non-straight in some way to, to, to know that you're welcome to realize that you would be accepted most of the people I talk to find that unbelievable, find it ludicrous, laughable. You don't want me in your church. You don't really welcome me. Yeah, we do. And so I would say to a pastor, you have to go overboard to communicate genuine, true welcome and acceptance to a group of people who has felt excluded and rejected and not wanted. In, in fairness to uh, some pastors, um, and, and Christians, you know, the if I'm going overboard to make people feel welcome, which is which is great, um, and they're coming in and screaming at me that I'm a hater because I won't affirm what they're right. saying is right. In other words, they're coming in and saying, "No, this is right. This is normal. You need to affirm me." And I'm going, "No, this is what Scripture says. I'm not going to." There is a natural tension there. Uh, And And, so there are are people who would not want to come. uh, Many, many LGBTQ people would not want to come to a church, would not step in the door of a church, are not interested in that. Uh, But there are a set of people, more than a few, who really are, don't want, they know, they want to know about God. They want to follow Christ. They're even really want to have biblical doctrine, Mm -hmm. but they are gay or lesbian or transgender 
And so they're looking for a church where they could fit in, where they could be included and wanted, even though there's a disagreement there. So, you know, the, more, the people who are more angry, the people who are more um, antagonistic, pretty much don't walk in the door of a church. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, that's just not very common. Yeah. And what I find is I, I have lots of church people who will tell me, now, Bruce, it's good to be welcoming and all that, but you got to be sure they know it's sin. You got to tell them <laughs> to stop doing it. Right. And I smile and I say, I know. But you know what I, most gay people I've talked to think? They think that Christians and churches think what they're doing is not only sin, but an abomination, the worst of all sins, and they deserve to go to the darkest, deepest place in hell. So they're not confused <laughs> in the least. It's not like we have to remind them, hey, remember that uh, here's, you know, that the Bible says this is wrong. In fact, their view is usually distorted because the Bible doesn't say that's the absolute worst sin of all. And the, the, the truth that needs to be stressed is the love and grace of God that Jesus Christ came for all people. Right. Uh, you know, Paul's saying, I'm the worst of sinners. Right. And that, that like you said, the, the church is for sinners, which is starting with us, starting with me. It's every one of us. Yeah. There are no perfect people. Yeah. And all of us are in process. So at our church, we say we welcome all people and affirm none. Because <laughs> none, of us, none of us are worthy of being affirmed. Only Jesus Christ. That's good. He is the one we affirm as our sinless, perfect Lord and Savior. <laughs> the rest of us all need some work. We're, we we do. And that's why we're there. And that's why you you can be there, too. Uh, and my uh, former pastor Bill Rames used to say people would say you know I'd come to your church but man there's just so many hypocrites in church and he would say yeah I know there are and that's there's uh, one more is not going to make a big deal come on in you know so, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> just, we're all hypocrites on some level but that's because we hold to a higher standard as well we should so it's okay I want to show you the book again this is leading a church in a time of sexual questioning by Bruce B. Miller, you can go to his website, BruceBMiller.com. And by the way, if you are in a church uh, or in a leadership position, even maybe just a uh, you know a nonprofit or something like a ministry like ours, and you're trying to figure out what what do I do because I'm having to deal with this and I feel unequipped and I'm getting I'm getting shot at from both sides. You know, I'm getting criticism from both sides of this. There is no right step. I go this way, these people get mad. I go this way, these people get mad. I need some help. You can actually get a hold of Bruce. Uh, he's got some online materials. Uh, in fact, there's a 48-minute webinar called An Open Conversation Among Three Senior Pastors on LGBTQ Plus in the Church, which also features one of my favorites, Andy McQuitty. You can look that up. Uh, he's got a video course, How to Pastor LGBTQ, friend and fam Friends and Family in Your Church, of course, the book. Or he can come to you. Uh, uh, tomorrow he'll be flying up to Canada to help some people with this. So if, if this is an area where you need help, just know that Bruce has been walking in this arena, struggling with the hard questions, helping other people, uh, and you can contact him. So that's my, my pitch for those of you who want to go beyond just this interview. Uh, but Appreciate Bruce, I'm happy to help. Be delighted to help any church, any organization to walk through, navigate these difficult waters. Yeah. Okay. And so for that person who may be watching casually or the pastor who may be thinking, I think maybe this guy, just let's, let's be clear. Um, do you believe that, you know, people are born gay, God made them that way and we need to accept, affirm and accommodate it? Or do you yeah, believe great, something else? Great question, Randy. So I believe that, that God made marriage between 
a male and a female, one man and one woman. And that's to be a lifelong bond, one flesh bond, and all sex is for that relationship and that relationship only. Now, having said that, the born gay is a, a difficult question because uh, usually Christians want to resist that. But let me let me ask you, of course, I know you know about original sin. Uh, I think good Christian theology would say we were all born in sin. And uh, we're all born with sinful proclivities of a variety of kinds, but neither, none of us share the exact same ones. I, I tend to be a, I'm a driven guy. I can tend to deal with pride and envy. My wife doesn't really deal with that. She deals more with fear and anxiety. And I think all of us, you know, we, we, we realize you don't, have, you don't have to teach children to be selfish. You have to teach them to share. So it could be that people are born with a proclivity toward same-sex attraction, just like people are born with a proclivity toward alcoholism. So a couple of notes about that. You assume that homosexuality then is a sin when you position it that way. Uh, right. And I would agree with you. It's, so when you, know, when you say we're all born sinners— you're saying that's a sin, <laughs> right? Because that, that homosexual uh, behavior, just to be just one nuance there that's yep. important, you know, Randy, is the difference between temptation and behavior. And I was going there. So, oh, were you? Oh, well, you go right there then. You go ahead and do it. Well, no, I want to hear from you, and then I'll tell you what someone who lived a homosexual lifestyle told me okay. after coming because out of the, it. The temptation or attraction towards same-sex behavior is itself neutral. Jesus was tempted in every way but without sin. But to act on that, either in lust or in sexual behavior, is sinful. And I 100% agree. I amen to that. Here's what Dennis Jernigan told me. Um, he said, none of us choose how we're tempted, mm, but we good. all choose how we respond. Yeah, that's great. Isn't that? Because it, it's true. The things that, that tempt me that are sin, that I would call sin, you know, uh, let's agree that that. No, I won't go down the details, but right. I don't <laughs> choose those you're temptations. You're right here. I know, right? This is yeah. You're not my, you're not my pastor or my priest, uh, but <laughs> I I don't choose those things. The things I struggle right. with, honestly, look, the things that I I wished I didn't struggle with, but to to give in to them doesn't. It just makes things worse. Uh, that's right. And, and so and that's I, a, that's I don't choose those temptations. Yeah, with this issue, that's so hard because there's people who have prayed with all their might to not have those attractions toward their same sex, and they it. just haven't gone away. I, I it's like it. Paul's thrown in the flesh. They have begged God to remove it, and he just doesn't. And there are people that have prayed and had other people pray over their fear that just controls them or the anxiety, right. you that's know, right. or the depression. Uh, why doesn't it just go away? We don't know. What we do know is that in all those situations, God promises he'll be there with you and he'll carry you through it. That's right. We and they'll be get really day. close to him. Go ahead. I said he'll be with you today and one day there'll be full healing. And so you can be uh, gay, same-sex attracted and be the most mature Christian on the planet. You can be an elder, a pastor, a missionary. So that no, that misnomer that you can't be gay and Christian has really tripped up a lot of people because they feel like either I have to be gay and then not Christian, or I can be a Christian, but I can't be gay. But in the sense of that's, like you said, Dennis Jernigan, that's the way you're tempted. No, you can be tempted all your life in that way and be inc an incredibly mature Christian. In fact, that might drive you to greater depths of dependence on Christ 
and the Holy Spirit to enable you to live a faithful, godly life. I, I've seen that. <laughs> I've definitely seen that. And it's interesting, you know, there is another aspect, and I would argue over the interpretation and application of the particular passage, but where Jesus is talking about the law, and he says, well, it, you have heard it said that, or you have read that. And that's where he compares uh, hatred in your heart to murder, right? And so depending on how you apply that, you would call a person gay if they had that temptation, uh, as you would call someone a murderer if they had hatred in their in their heart. But I, I really think he, that's more a commentary on the law, uh, right? And and to to equate in my mind, all sin is equal. I don't know all sin falls short of the glory of God, right? But I think definitely it's it's worse for me to murder somebody than it is for me to give them the finger because they cut me off in traffic again. That's exactly right. And we, we have to be careful about that because that's right. Any sin should get me short of the glory of God, but different sins are handled differently in the scripture. I mean, Jesus is really hard on hypocrisy. Um, that is, that is, that is considered really serious. And, and there, uh, interestingly, if you look in the old Testament, there's different offerings made for different levels of sin, that's right. transgression and iniquity. And that's a whole other study that I, I think if someone wants to understand what's going on with people in their church, to understand the difference between sin, missing the mark, uh, you know, hamartia, or however you say it, yeah, transgression, really yeah, transgression yeah. knowing that it's wrong but doing it anyway. Uh, and that's then right. iniquity is where you don't know. You don't even know right from wrong. And that's— I think going right back to Jesus is we need to be—he said, uh, before you look at the speck in your brother's eye, take the log out of your own eye. Yeah. Right in that same uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount that you're talking about. And I think when we think about other people's sin, we need to be looking in the mirror a lot longer, like James says to do, and look at the sin in our own lives before we try to inspect the sin in our brother or sister's life. Yeah, and by the way, James has a great outline of the whole process from temptation to sin. That's it's right. important to say temptation is not sin. That's exactly right. Jesus was tempted. He didn't sin. And James walks you through that. I want to ask you about one more thing because I, I read this uh, from your book, and I thought that is a paradigm shift that I needed to hear. Mm. Okay. okay. You say that uh, LGBT, whatever, alphabet people, <laughs> you know, are not a problem to be solved, but people to be loved. And I thought, Bruce, we need to right. do that. That's right. I, I stole that from Preston Sprinkle in his oh. book. But I think it's 100% right that we've got to not view this in the abstract as a, not to view this in the abstract as some uh, theological issue or problem or cultural topic. These are people, these are real people, friends of mine that we love and care for. And so I, I think, uh, you know, really to call people to love and to know if you are LGBTQ or in some way wrestling with those things, God loves you. Mm -hmm. And through Jesus Christ, you can have an incredible, wonderful life full of joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment in Christ. God in Christ has to offer for every one of us, no matter who we are, a, he calls it an abundant life that he offers to each one of us. Yeah. And to those of you in the church, don't be afraid to address this. Don't be afraid to get near people. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's right. We got to just keep oriented towards Christ orienting others towards Christ and it'll be okay. Mayor, to enter your, I have a question for clarity. Uh, she said, so no sin is worse than the other. And I would disagree with that concept. I do think that there are degrees of sin 
Uh, That's right. Which is why uh, there were different sacrifices in the Old Testament to atone for them. Uh, and yeah, different, right. Jesus, different phrases yeah, in both the Greek and the Hebrew. For, that's right. And Jesus uses phrases that one sin is worse than another. Or some judgment will be worse for one person than another. And like if you lead a child astray, yeah. um, Jesus said that's just really serious. Yeah. And then some some of these things only come out by, you know, prayer and fasting when they're trying to get rid of things. So I, I definitely think there are. Um, but at the end of the day, as, as Bruce, you said, we all got our own. All right, we're all short. We all come short. And if you're trying to jump over the Grand Canyon like Evil Knievel did, you would remember that uh, years ago. It doesn't matter if you miss by an inch or if you miss by a mile. You're still at That's the right. bottom of the canyon at the end of the day. We're all desperately in need, desperately in need of God's amazing grace. Yep, I love it. Okay, uh, if you need to follow up with Bruce again, uh, his website brucebmiller.com, uh, and you can pick up the church, leading a church. I'm sorry, pick up the book, leading a church. Uh, in a time of sexual questioning, good resources. Again, don't be afraid to do this. Don't be afraid to address it. And most of all, don't be afraid to share God's love with everyone. Bruce, you want to add anything before I let you go? Love that last word. Don't be afraid to show God's love to everyone. Love that. That's what we're called to do, man. And I appreciate you doing it and leading the way. Yep. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, hit share, hit like, hit follow, subscribe, uh, and come back tomorrow. I've got the CEO of Newsmax, and I think I'm going to drag my dad on here to make some comments on that. Friday, Sam Sorbo. I've just got a great lineup. I'm a little excited. Uh, let's see. Next Monday, I've got John Schneider and Shonda Pierce with a new movie they're in. And then just more wonderful guests uh, to just equip you, encourage you, entertain you. So come on back and make sure you subscribe so you get the notifications. See you again next time here on Life Today Live. God so loved the world. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our sins, in spite of our failures, God says, I love you. I love you. I love you.